1: conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562 314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
0: He gets so crazy at times. It sounds like (laughs) (laughs) you yell back at your radio. What are you talking about? What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now he gets an hour all to himself. It's
2: Sparky's midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Welcome in Sparky's midday Madness here on the fan. How you doing on a Monday coming up on the show we'll talk with Don August, former Milwaukee Brewers starting pitcher. He'll join us at the last segment of the show around 250. Uh, as he has uh, some stuff going on up to that point. So last segment of the show, Don August, about 250, former Brewers pitcher. We'll ask Kim about this amazing uh, pitching performance by the Brewers starting, including Freddie Peralta, who continues to look really, really good uh, yesterday. So we'll talk to him uh, at that point. Going to start off talking a little bit here about what Ron Wolfe said uh, on the Wendy's Big Show, and there is going to be a question that goes along with it. Before we get to that, just a reminder, you can tweet at 1250 a.m. The fan uh, during Sparky's Midday Madness. You can also tweet at me if you want at Sparky Radio. Uh, there is one cut that Dan Plucker, our executive producer of the One He's Big, show and of Sparky's Midday Madness, uh, blew up uh, across uh, Twitter uh, today. Because as you know, like we have David Bakhtiarion or Bob Harlan, Mike Holmgren, and these bigger name interviews, uh, Dan will tweet out quotes that he thinks are newsworthy or mean something, and he, he tweets them out. And he does a very, very good job of that. And he tweeted out one quote uh, that I'm going to play for you right now that uh, people are all worked up in arms about in the media and fans and otherwise. And this is what Ron Wolf had to say, talking about you know these quarterbacks and wanting more money and wanting to go other places that are still
3: under contract. But there's a huge change, and it started with Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, then went to Watson, mm-hmm. and now we got Rodgers. And it appears that uh, today's quarterbacks want to be more than quarterbacks. Uh, they're hired, uh, you know, at my time, they're hired to be, to play the position quarterback. That's what they're being paid for. That's, and that's what they're being paid to do. But these guys, they want to uh, uh, pick the coach, pick the players. It's it's an interesting dilemma, you know. And I think anybody can say, "Oh, you know, if I was there, that uh, you should you should attack it before it happens." But how do you know it's going to happen? All three of these guys uh, have signed long-term contracts, and they're under contract. So I'm sure at that time there wasn't anybody holding a gun to their head saying, "You have to sign," but now they're not happy. They're not happy with the team they signed a contract with, so to me, it's it's very very interesting. All right, so Ron Wolf, using that
2: diva term, we we brought this up on the big show. I'm just going to further emphasize it now. Okay, you can go after Ron Wolf. And say, well, the game's passing by. Well, he's older. He doesn't understand today's player and so forth. Fine. But what he said is true. I, it, it's as plain as day. It, it is true, right? Aaron Rodgers has issues with the Packers organization. We don't know what those issues are. Is Aaron Rodgers is hiding from everybody and doesn't want to publicly speak. And I think Mike Sherman, the former Packers head coach, put it perfectly well in the NFL Network last week when he said he's probably not talking because he doesn't want to say something that he's going to have to walk back later. Makes sense to me. Scared. That's what he is. Scared. Because if you weren't scared, you'd come out and you would address this situation. And as I've pointed out numerous times, you don't have to do it in an interview. You don't have to do it with anybody. You can address it in your own video that you put out online and you control the narrative. You say what you got to say and you let it go out. Instead, you got your minions out there running around doing all your work for you because you're too scared to do it yourself. That's the thing that irritates me more than anything else. It really is. At least Russell Wilson went on the radio and throughout what his issues were, that he was sitting and getting his brains beat in time after time and them not doing anything about it. Okay, well, now we know what the starting point is. Deshaun Watson, now, again, since all that happened, he's got his own problems to deal with off the field. But on the field, he was frustrated because they were taking all the best players off the team, like DeAndre Hopkins and so forth. Again, get it. <laughs> all right, I know where you're coming from. Rogers, silence. Nothing other than off the camera to Tariko at the Kentucky Derby. And then we are left to believe that whatever Tariko says is what was said. But, but we have no actual audio of the conversation or anything of the sort. And I love Mike Tariko, like one of the coolest dudes you'll ever meet in real life. Promise you. So I, I, I love Tarico. So it's nothing against Tariko. I'm just saying it wasn't on camera. There's no audio of it. So again, we're going off with what Tariko said. So to sit here and get mad at Wolf because he called Rodgers a diva is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. He is a diva. Plain and simple. I don't know if he'd like that term or not, but that's what you're acting like. You're under contract. You're getting paid a ton of money to play and go do your business. If you have an issue with the general manager, then have a conversation with the general manager. If that doesn't work... Then go have your conversation with the owner. Now, in this case, there's not an owner. In this case, there's Mark Murphy. Fine. Then go take your grief to Mark Murphy. No problem. If you're still not satisfied, Aaron, that you're not getting an answer from Goody, you're not getting an answer from Mark Murphy, and you're bound and determined to get your way in all of this, then start talking to some of the guys on the board of directors, guys and women. Go ahead. Go pick their brains. Try and force everybody out so you get your own way. Go do it to it. You can do that. Nobody's stopping you from doing that. But instead of doing it that way, you're hiding. It's pathetic. I I, I don't know what other way to put it. It's, it's simply pathetic. Of everybody that you would have told me would have pulled this, he would have been the last one. He's never seemed to be somebody, to me, that's going to hide from anything. Controversial or not. You ask him, he's going to give you his opinion, regardless of what the fallout's going to be, he's going to stand by it. And now he's in hiding during this whole situation. So now, if it does work itself out, and he does come back, then he come up with some cockamamie excuse of, well, you know, it was kind of all overblown. It really wasn't all that big of a deal. Really. We know of other owners and general managers and coaches flying out to see their quarterbacks in the offseason and try to convince them to stay in Green Bay? Probably not. So to Wolf's point about being a diva, sorry, folks, you can get mad at me, you can get mad at Ron Wolf or anybody else that calls Wolf or calls Rodgers a diva. It is what it is. And like we've said, there's been many a divas in sports. And guess what? There's going to be many a divas in sports going forward. There's many a divas in the business world that work at your job, that work at my job. There's divas everywhere. I don't I don't think Ron Wolf was out of line at all. And I know so many guys, oh, he's out of line. No, he's not. No, he, he was right on the money. He was right on the money. Absolutely no issue with what he had to say. None. Zero. All right, so he also said something else. Now, this one here... I disagree with Ron Wolf, and this is going to be the topic at hand. We were talking about uh, the Green Bay Packers and Rodgers and so forth, and these quarterbacks that are wanting the money. And I just pointed out that, hey, Ron, look, it, it appears we're going to go the way of the NBA here, where LeBron James was going to force, force his way to wherever he wanted to go. Right? He got himself to Miami, then he got himself to the Lakers. Numerous reports across and Cleveland, numerous sports across all that whoever LeBron wants, normally they will get. Andrew Wiggins ended up being uh, a Minnesota Timberwolf because before he even stepped on the court with LeBron, LeBron wanted him gone for Kevin Love. I mean, there are so many stories that go along with LeBron James. James Harden's in Houston, uh, throws a hissy fit, and gets his way out of Houston to get traded to the Nets because that's where he wanted to go. So the players are running the show in the NBA, and this is where the NFL is headed uh, if the Packers eventually trade Aaron Rodgers because this will be the first of many to come if this were to happen so I brought that up to Ron Wolf, and this is how it, the conversation went with Ron Wolf and myself
3: you know that sounds good but I, I never thought that anybody comes to a football game to watch an individual player they come to a pro football game to root for their team I always felt and uh uh, you know, I don't know uh, enough about basketball to comment on that. But just uh, I, what I do now that, that I'm retired and living in Florida, we we have minor league baseball, down, uh, major league baseball down here. And we have the Cardinals and the Marlins where I live. And down the road, we got the Mets and uh, the Nationals and, and the Astros. And the interesting thing to me is those people come – To see, the team, they don't come to see individual players. Now, is that true in professional football?
2: Well, the Brett Favre situation, as we lived through that, I mean, we had people completely off the Packers bandwagon, buying Vikings Favre jerseys, buying Brett Favre uh, jerseys. It divided Packer Nation in half to the point where Gary Leroy and I could not believe what we were watching.
3: Well, that may be, but Lambeau Field was still full. Oh, sure. Well, yeah, I mean, you're winning. This is forever
2: long. Okay, so there is Ron Wolf dropping the mic on me. He said, yeah, come on. Hey, Lambeau Field was still full. Yeah, you may have lost some, but Lambeau Field was still full. So this is the question. Real nice and simple. Plucker tweeted it already out on the 1250 AM, uh, the fan website, uh, Twitter. For you as a fan, do you go for the team or do you go for the player? And on top of that, if you say, I only go for the team, right? I only go for the Packers. I don't care if Rodgers is there or not. I only go for the Brewers. I don't care how good or bad they are. I'm only going for the Brewers. I go to the Bucs games before Giannis. When they were real bad, I used to go. Versus I go now because they have Giannis. See, now that's where you have to understand who you truly are as a fan. Right? Have you been with your team going to games through the ups and downs, or did you hop on going to games once they got a great player? Because that really is the answer then. I mean, you're going to tell me, oh, I'm a Brewers fan. Really? And then we're going to talk about how long you've been going and when you started. And, oh, yeah, I started going a few years ago. I'm 45. Okay, well, you're about the player then. You're not about the team. You're about Giannis, which is fine. There's not a wrong answer. I just want to find out what is the real answer in all of this as far as the people that listen to sports talk radio. I'm not going to have this conversation with people that aren't sports dorks like those of us uh, that are listening to the radio station right now. We're all sports dorks. That's why we listen to sports talk radio. That's why I do sports talk radio, right? We live, eat, breathe, and sleep it. This is what we do. So you are the diehard sports fan. Is it about the player or the team for you as a fan when you decide to go to a game? What is it more about for you? The Van Horn Direct uh, toll-free talk line is on the big show, not this show. Uh, dial it up now, 414-799-1250, 414-799-1250. You can also tweet us at 1250 AM the fan or at Sparky Radio. I'll ask you, I'll ask Dan Plucker, and we'll talk about it coming up next here on Sparky's Midday Madness. Welcome in. It's Sparky's Midday Madness coming up. We'll talk with Don August, former Brewers pitcher, coming up about a half hour from right now. I was just given the rundown for the Rami show coming up from 3 to 6. They're going to have Robert Murray on, MLB Insider National Baseball columnist for Fansided. I saw his tweet earlier, and I don't know if Plucker, Dan Plucker, our executive producer, saw it. If y'all didn't see what Manny Machado did over the weekend, I don't even know what to tell you. Manny Machado took out a second baseman in the baseline between first and second running as the man fielded the ball, slid into him, and took him out at his feet. He wasn't anywhere close to the second base bag. Took him out. Did you see this, Blucker, over the weekend? Yeah, I did. And Robert Murray on Twitter said, it's all to do about nothing. Like there, There's no reason to be upset about that. It's fine. I don't even understand. I, I don't. I agree with Robert. You do? Yeah. Sweet. So from that aspect then, when a second baseman gets taken out and hurts his knee on a BS slide, you'll be okay with it if you lose well, an all-star second baseman because some guy decided to slide into him on purpose. Well, the
4: thing is he was going full speed. It's not like he can just stop or get out of the way. Like In that situation, he's going to run to second base as hard as he can no matter what, even if somebody is going to be coming at
2: him. You're, you're not serious. No, you're, I'm 100% you're not, you're not, serious. You're, you're not telling me that you don't think he could have stepped one way or the other and ducked.
4: Well, it's going to do the same thing as sliding. You can no, step. No, slide. The is, thing is, though. A slide takes out your legs and your knees. But the thing is, they teach you to slide. They do. Because I've never not, seen it you, in a
2: game. And all the Brewer games I've watched for all my life,
4: I've never seen somebody do If that. not, you're going to get an interference call on the throw to second or on the throw to first. He tagged so instead, him, he tagged him to go for the double play, and he slid.
2: I totally disagree. I think it's
4: ridiculous. He could have thrown the ball to second base, too, but he, he, the second baseman made the decision to go for a tag instead sure. to turn two and yeah. throw
2: the ball to first. And if he runs left versus sliding into him, what happens? If he gets in the way of the throw no, to first base. No, he runs left. The second baseman's facing first, right? So he fields the ball. He goes to tag him and then throw to first. If he runs left away from him, how is that interference? He's not in the he's not in the way of throwing to first base. Well, the, the second baseman still has to get the tag. Back. Correct, which means if he misses, he misses. That's not Machado. Machado's running around the play. Instead of running to the left and trying to go around him, he decided to slide into him.
4: See, I, I think what he did is justified. And, yes, you, you, you may think that way, but it's such a bang-bang situation where in in the point of the game –
2: you are taught to slide in that situation. I'm telling you right now, if I was a pitcher, I would have thrown at Machado the next time he came up. Guaranteed would have thrown at him. There, that is absolutely inexcusable. And I understand what you're saying, that you're taught to take guys out at the knee and try and hurt them. But I am not. I am not. It's not It's not but taking them out at the knees. Yes, though. you are. That dude got taken out. He got taken out. It was a dirty play. And Murray can come on here and say what you said. And I'm going to tell you, Machado could have ran left. And he didn't. He decided to take him out instead. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And again, call me LaRusso, Ozzie Geen Jr., whatever you want. Next time that dude comes up, he's getting drilled in the knees, and we'll see how he likes it. I, I'm just, I'm not dealing with that stuff at all. Uh, okay, let's talk a little bit more about uh, what Ron Wolf had to say. Ron Wolf uh, and I talked about uh, Brett Favre's situation, so forth, and Aaron Rodgers, and he said, "Look, people come to football games for the team, not for the player." I said, like, well, I look at Fred Favre, and he said, well, Lambeau was still full. And Mike dropped me, and that was the end of it. We all started laughing, and he was right. But I'm asking you as a fan, as a fan now, do you find yourself going to the games more for a team or more for player? So, when Aaron Rodgers has been hurt multiple times in his career, were you still going, or did you sell your tickets? Because you didn't want to go, because they weren't going to win. Because if you were selling your tickets because you didn't want to go, because they weren't going to win maybe it's more about the player than it's about the team at the end of the day. Did you just start going to Bucks games when Giannis got here and they got really good and weren't really going when they weren't all that good because you didn't want to waste your money to go watch the Bucs lose? See, that's, that's where the complicated thing is. Because the immediate reaction from any fan is going to be, oh yeah, I'm a fan of the team. Absolutely, the team first. But then as you start talking it out, maybe it is more about going to watch a great player than it is going to watch a team. Mike in South Milwaukee, you're next on Sparky's Midday Madness. What's up, Mike? Hey, Sparky. I think anybody's a fan of a winning team, but that doesn't mean that. Well, those are front runners. Yeah, correct. That doesn't mean that when they were losing, the fans disappeared. They just, you know, you're not going to get Chicago fans or St. Louis fans or Minnesota fans to start rooting for Green Bay, the Brewers, or the Bucks. You know They're going to stay loyal to their fan base. It's it all depends who the player is, though, right? So, because well, let's let's look let's, at it this way. Let, let me just use an example. Let's say Anthony Rizzo got traded by the Cubs to the Brewers. Do you think, and then the Brewers signed him, let's say, to an extension. Do you think those Anthony Rizzo diehard Cub fans would then start buying Rizzo Brewers jerseys? No. I they do.
3: Didn't
2: they would be diehard Cub fans. I do. I think they would. Just like Brett Favre. Brett Favre fans were buying Vikings Brett Favre jerseys and just Brett Favre jerseys. And then when Brett Favre was done, then they went and bought a Rodgers jersey. Right, but they were rooting on the team. No, they they're were not. Play. They were rooting they for the Vikings the- against the Packers. Well, exactly. But that was your team at that point. I'm confused. So you're, rooting for the, you're rooting for the team. If the player makes it better, okay, great. But I don't think they're They're jumping ship, so to speak, every time a player goes somewhere. Mike, Packer fans jumped ship during the Brett Favre saga. No, they didn't. I don't believe that, Sparky. They didn't. I know people that that are friends of mine that completely went away from them and said to hell with Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy. And to this day, I have a couple of friends that never went back. Thanks for the call. No, they did. Dude, Mike, here. We've talked about this to nauseam, but I'm going to bring it up again. We had what we called Farbecue at Maddie's Bar and Grill right here in New Berlin by the radio station. We had big old uh, like garbage dumpsters that were burning. People were throwing their Packer jerseys in. Packer-Farbe jerseys. They were done. They were rooting for the Vikings at that point. Completely done. Now, a lot of those fans came back after Favre retired. Then they came back. But while that was going on, they were done with the Green Bay Packers, and they were going to root for Brett Favre. Simple. I've had other people call in and said that they rooted for Brett in every game except when he played the Packers. Other than that, they were rooting for that team that Brett was on, whether it be the Jets or the Vikings, in every other game. Now, true team fans, Packer fans, they were rooting for Brett Favre in a Vikings jersey no matter who they were playing. It's the Vikings. I'm not rooting for the Vikings. I don't care who Brett, who, if Brett Favre's there or not. I'm a Packer fan first. Those people were team fans. Now, were those same people supporting the Packers when Rodgers was out for a year or half a year or whatever the case may be? And to Mike's point, Mike goes, well, you know, everybody wants a winning team. Yeah, it's frontrunners. But those diehard core fans are going to be with a team win or lose. Win or lose, going to support that team. Guys, when the Bucs won, what was it, 15 games that year? There were games on Fox Sports Wisconsin that was literally 0.0 for ratings. 0.0. There were games on the radio, on the flagship. I had higher ratings on my post-game show on the fan than they did listeners on their Bucks game. Fact. Can't even make that stuff up. That's where it was at that point. Now you get Giannis and he develops into super mega MVP star and so forth, right? Well, now ratings are through the roof. Obviously, everybody wants to watch Giannis. Radio ratings are through the roof, TV ratings are through the roof, and they're, they're doing great. Now, are they at the level of the Packers? No. Are they level at the Brewers? Not sure. I would have to go and look and see what the numbers look like on a Bucks game versus a Brewers game. I would imagine the Brewers audience is still bigger. But you brought those people in that haven't watched it in years. Take it back to the Brewers with Fielder and Braun and those guys. Prior to Fielder and Braun and those guys, and then the molitor Yount era, people gave up on the Brewers and walked away. You could scalp in a county stadium for $5 a holler and sit behind home plate. Tim Allen and I did it more than once. There was nobody going to games. There was nobody watching on TV. There was nobody paying attention to them at all until that group came up. And once that group came up, Gary Ellerson talks about it all the time. All of a sudden, the Brewers had buses at colleges, Milwaukee, Marquette, whatever, and they were busing these college kids to these Brewers games. And that's what started to pick up the momentum again. Up until that point, you lost a generation or two of fans. That were baseball fans that had just completely turned off the Brewers because they had given up on them. But when you had great players, it got back involved. Take it another step further. When the Bucks were horrible, what games did they really do well in uh, attendance-wise? When there were superstars and other teams coming in, Colby Bryant, Michael Jordan, who a Shaq, whoever. That's when they filled it up. Brewers, same thing. When Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, and those guys were rolling into town, they filled it up. Any Cubs game, they filled it up because that audience is crazy or that fan base is nuts. Players, more so than teams. That's that, That's where I'm at on this. What about you? Is it more about the, the team or the players for you? 414-799-1250. Sparky's Midday Madness. Dan and Racine, you're next on 1250 AM The Fan. What's going on?
5: Mark, I, I got I to gotta agree with you, man. I'm, I'm a player guy now. I used to be team-orientated, but the cost of going, man, I'm not going out there to see scrubs play. Yep. I'm going out there to see the talent out there. That's really what it comes down to now, man. You, the best bang for your buck, it's kind of like when the Brewers play a team. I'm not going to go see and watch play the Marlins, but I went and bought a ticket for the Dodgers. That's why you got marquee matchups. It ain't because of the team so much. It's the players that are on it.
2: Right, and you have marquee matchups because attendance goes up for those games.
5: Exactly, and it's not just because it's the team. It's the players that are on there. For football, for me, it was the same way. I don't want to go see Love until he proves me because the cost of it is way too expensive. I mean, you can't even get a, a one-night stay in a hotel there now. I'm not going to go spend that if it's not Rodgers on the field. And, right. it's yeah, it's a team game and, and, and that, but I'm not going to – yeah, I'm going to see the marquee players, man. That's that's it for
2: me on that. Totally makes sense, Dan. Thanks for the call. Again, I think people are scared to admit that. Like, they don't want to say it out loud because they think it makes them less of a fan or something. I don't think it makes you less of a fan. I think you're the majority, to be honest with you. I think the majority of fans are that way, like Dan just said. I do. Now, when you're younger, right? Yeah. <laughs> And you haven't lived as long as us old fogies have, sure. Then maybe you're more of a team. You're 25, you haven't seen as much, and you're team, team, team. Fine. But then as you get older, you realize: do I really want to spend all this money to go watch a losing product? Or do I would I rather spend my money on some other form of entertainment? That is why, and I know it drives everybody nuts. That is why the brewers right? The Bucks, the Packers all are talking about what? Being competitive and competing for championships year in and year out. Not going all in and winning a championship and then being miserable for three to five years or whatever it is. Now the Packers can get away with it because history shows Packer fans will sell out Lambeau Field regardless because of their waiting list. So that's an anomaly. But when you talk about everything else, the Bucs and Brewers are specifically If you stink for three to five years, you are going to feel it in your pockets as an owner and as an organization because people are not going to go. Even if you did win a World Series, people will stop going. And they know they don't want to go through that. So that is why they maneuver and operate the way they do. I think of everybody, Antonasio gets it as much as anybody, right? You have your initial budget. You want to make sure this team is in a place to compete. Then, if at the deadline, you feel like you got a chance... Then you push more money into this thing because now by that point, you have a good idea of what advanced ticket sales are for the rest of the year. You have a good idea of where ticket sales have been for the the, the earlier portion of the year. You know what your budget truly is and whether or not you're actually making more than you thought you were going to make. Then you put in the added expectancy of, okay, if this makes us better, how much more will we sell on advanced ticket sales? If we make the postseason, how much more are we going to make on playoff merchandising and everything else? All of that gets factored in if the move works. If the move fails, no harm, no foul. Outside of the prospects you lose or whatever, but from a budgetary standpoint, you're still in the you're still in the black at the end of the year. That's how it goes. That's because they operate knowing what we all know that a majority of people are about winning teams, and normally you have winning teams. It's about really good players, and it becomes a player driven deal. Kevin in Delafield, you're next on Sparky's Midday Madness. What's going on, Kevin?
1: Hey, good, good afternoon, Sparky. Hey, so I'm a team guy first. And it doesn't mean you can't be a fan of players, right? Players are who you fall in love with, right? But they break your hearts and players don't last. I mean, five times undefeated. Yep. Unless your last name is Brady. True. So I'm a Packer fan since Day was born. Brewers fan, Day was born. Bucks fan, Day was born. I'll go watch those games because I support the teams. It's always a positive when your team has got some competitiveness and you got some players that uh, you enjoy watching. But I'm not, I'm not watching – if I'm going to go to a Brewer game, I'm going to a game because I support the team. If I get to watch Sammy Sosa or Nolan or whoever might be on there, right, that's a bonus. But I'm not going for players. I'm going because I support my team.
2: So if they're no playing players. the Marlins or they're playing the Cardinals, no difference to you? No difference. No difference. Uh, that's so a great. Brewers
1: game, a, a Brewer's game is a Brewer's game.
2: And that's, that's awesome. I, I wish more fans were like you, Kevin. Thanks for the call. And that is that, that core fan. I'll tell you a quick story. I remember growing up, and this was in the Molitor Yount days back then, and we would go to Brewers games from time to time, quite a few Brewers games actually during the the course of the season, but I'll never forget. My dad was a big Dave Winfield fan, big Yankees fan back in the day, and if big Dave Winfield was coming in to play the Brewers, we were going to get tickets, and we were going to go watch Dave Winfield and the Yankees take on the Brewers. He loved Dave Winfield. A good buddy of mine was a big Ricky Henderson fan. Every time Ricky Henderson came into Milwaukee, he wanted to go see Ricky Henderson play. And again, it's it's players to a certain degree. It really is. It is part of the deal. Think about it from this aspect. And not that last guy. The last guy says it doesn't matter to him. But if you're going to spend tickets on a Bucks game, let's use the Bucks as an example. And you can go see the Bucks and Pistons, right? Or you can pay more and go see Bucks and Lakers, Bucks and Nets. You can save some money and go see Bucks pistons or you can spend a little bit more and go see one of the other two teams. Most of you are probably going to go see the better team play the Milwaukee Bucks with the better superstar players to go see play. Just like when the Bucs used to go on the road before Giannis, they weren't among the leaders in attendance on the road. They were among the worst in the league on the road, year in, year out, year in, year out. You could get tickets with no problem on the road. No problem whatsoever. A few bucks, 10 bucks a ticket, you'd go see him on the road. Now? Now, good luck finding those road tickets for the Bucs to go support your team on the road in some of these road cities. Because everybody wants to see Giannis play. It changes things. No question about it. Don August uh, joins us coming up here in about 15 minutes. Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan. This segment brought to you by Jim Dandy's, South 27th Street in Oak Creek. Enjoy their delicious fish fry every Friday, plus $2.50. tacos on Tuesdays, $15 prime rib dinner on Wednesdays. JimDandy'sGrill.com. Again, JimDandy'sGrill.com. All right, we're going to bring Dan Plucker in here. I want to get his take on this. Now, see, Plucker is interesting because I always get on Plucker and make fun of Plucker all the time, being a Detroit guy, being a Tigers guy, being... Pistons guy. Um, things just haven't gone well, obviously, for Plucker uh, over the course of time, being a fan of Detroit sports and so forth. But in reality, there really isn't a huge difference. If you take the Packers out of the fray, there's really not a huge difference between Detroit sports and Milwaukee sports. I mean, Detroit baseball has been probably, you know, they they've been able to finish and get a ring. More recently than, obviously, the Milwaukee Brewers have at this point. Mm-hmm. And Detroit basketball has been able to finish and get a ring more recently than the Bucks basketball team have. But similarly, there have been longer droughts and there have been winning uh, in Detroit, just like there has been in Milwaukee. Plug.
4: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I like and, and I know it's two completely different sports and completely different sizes of fan bases. But the Red Wings are very similar to the Packers yes. in terms of their yep. their fandom in their individuals. They score. had a big time uh, there for a while of just winning year in and year out. Yeah, it was a twenty plus year streak of making the playoffs yep. that was snapped just a few years ago, and they haven't been back since. So now is not a good time to be a Red Wings. Fan. Sure, but, and
2: that could happen to the Packers too. But
4: mm-hmm. when I grew up, like that was I watched so many Red Wings games because they were good. Now I don't watch any of them basically, but it was like I mean, so much joy from my my dad and myself like yep. watching Red Wings win multiple Stanley Cup championships when I was younger and now I don't I've like lost touch with hockey quite a bit and I still pay attention to like the Red Wings I'm still a fan but nowhere near as like watching every national televised game watching every single game that I can eating as much of it up as I can that that doesn't exist anymore for me and it's different again cuz Packers Super Bowls and NFL and it's it's completely different from the NHL but the fans and how devoted and how committed and um, how engaging and how well they travel, all of that is so similar with what the Packers are, in in my opinion, for Detroit.
2: Right. The the other part of this is, and you're not in this boat yet. Maybe you will be one day. Uh, But Blucker doesn't have kids yet. So if if at some point you do have baby boy or baby girl or whatever the case may be, is it going to be, all right, let's sit down and watch the Lions or let's sit down and watch the Tigers game? You know, is it going to be, Ingraining in them that Detroit mantra, or is it going to end up being you're raising a Packer or a Brewers fan because you're having to watch them for work, and yeah, their I friends guess. at school <laughs> are rooting for them, and all of a sudden you have the you know the other fan base in your house because of it?
4: Yeah, I guess it will depend on where my career takes me. It's, a, it's right. something that I have not necessarily thought of. <laughs> but, but I mean, it's but, true. But no, it's definitely true. Uh, it, but if we're talking, you know, player versus team, going back to that discussion, I think overall. Throughout history, it's been about the player. Like for me personally, it's a little bit different. But all time fandom, you're all you're always gonna want to go see your team play more if they have a superstar or if they're winning, right? Like and sure, winning in the past hasn't always meant you have a superstar on your team. Like the Pistons that won in uh, 05, they had Rasheed Wallace, they had Ben Wallace, Chauncey Billups, Tayshaun Prince. Rip exactly yep. like none of those guys I would classify as superstars, they were all e- extremely talented and they played good and they played good basketball together, and that's why they won. And kind of back with like the bad boys Pistons era, too. Like Isaiah Thomas, sure, that he's probably he's all of Famer, he's a superstar, but he didn't act like a superstar, he didn't act like MJ, he didn't act like some of those other greats in that era. And so, I think that. For, for me, also not growing up in Michigan and being a Michigan sports fan, it's more of a team thing for me. Like, if you were going to tell me today I could go to Detroit and see a Tigers game on somebody else's dollar, I would go in a, in a heartbeat because I would get to see the Tigers play. But the Tigers suck. Like, they're an awful baseball team. They're going to be in the top – in the bottom five of baseball teams in the league this year. So – for me it's it's more about the team just for the experience of being able to fulfill a lifelong dream. And I've seen Tigers games at Comerica Park, but but still like that's just such a rare occurrence for me that it was super exciting. But like if we were here in Milwaukee, let's say I was a big Wisconsin sports fan and I could go to a Brewers or Bucks game pretty much any day of the week if I wanted to, which I can here. If they didn't have if the Brewers didn't have a great pitching staff this season, like There would be no reason for me to go to a Brewers game right now. Their offense is horrible. Horrible. Like, no Yelich. Exactly. No Yelich. Yep. Kane has been hurt for most of the year. He's back now, but he's not Kane right now. Uh, what other superstars Cassin-Hira, do you have on that offense? Kesson
2: Hira hasn't come around. He's in AAA exactly. as well. Yeah.
4: So, like, uh, if if they didn't have the Woodruff, Burns, Peralta. Oh, they'd be awful. They would be so bad. Yeah, right. And, I, and nobody would be going to games. But Correct. Because they have players that they can market still, even if they are not playing well, everybody still knows who Kesson Hira is. Plucker,
2: the, the second year of Miller Park being open, it was Miller Park, right? Mm-hmm. There was nobody at the stadium the second year. They had over 100 losses that year with the highest payroll at 50-some million dollars, highest payroll in team history, and there was nobody at the stadium at that point in time because they had like 102 losses or something like that that year. So again, when we start talking about players versus team and who you are a fan of, I think that all kind of goes right. together a little bit hand in hand. If you've got really good players, people are going to go. If your team isn't good, then you're going to the game. to so watch players on the other team coming in, right. the star players. You brought up uh, Ben Wallace. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, once again, finalist for the uh, Basketball Hall of Fame. Yeah. What do you think?
4: I hope he gets in.
2: I would be so but excited. is
4: he a Hall of Fame?
2: I think his story is a Hall of Fame story. <laughs> Quickly here. I, I just want to go over <laughs> this list real quick here, okay? Yeah. So... Uh, me nine it. first-time finalists. Rick Adelman, two-time NBA champion, eleven-time NBA, uh, two-time NBA champion. Rick Adelman, maybe. Eleven-time uh, NBA All-Star Chris Bosh. I say no. Uh, very good player. I had never viewed him as special. Me neither. Five-time NBA champion, five-time NBA All-Defensive First Team selection. Michael Cooper, good player. Never considered him a great player. Agreed. NBA Finals MVP, ten-time NBA All-Star Paul Pierce, probably. Yeah,
4: maybe it's 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 because of that Celtics. Deserves it more than
2: had. I think he deserves it more than Bosch. Agreed. Uh, the first black NBA head coach, Bill Russell. Two-time NCAA national champion, Villanova coach Jay Wright. Probably. I mean, if he doesn't go now, eventually he gets it. Eventually, said. yeah. I mean, his college career has been outstanding. Exactly. Uh, I don't know anything about the WNBA, so we're not even going to have that conversation. That's fine. Previous finalists uh, included again this year for consideration. Uh, all-time winning as high school coach, Lita Andrews. Sure. I, I don't know anything about Lita Andrews, but okay. Uh, five-time NBA All-Star, Tim Hardaway. Really good player. Not a Hall of Famer. Consensus National Collegiate Player of the Year, Marcus Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yes. Four-time NBA Defensive Player of the Year, Ben Wallace. I Again, very good. To get in just on defense, it has to be Rodman-esque. We well, don't he, think Ben
4: Wallace was Rodman-esque. He shut down Shaq he was, in an NBA yes, Finals. He was the
2: closest <laughs> to Rodman-esque we've had. yes. Yeah. So if there's going to be another player to go in, based on that, yes, Ben Wallace deserves to be there. Chris Webber, no. Well, and to go from undrafted
4: to four-time defensive player of the year and help a team win an NBA championship and go to several, right? you have to – I think that, that all of that – like I said, he has a Hall of Fame story. And if I think that's going to play to his advantage when they're all in the room debating.
2: No no question about that. By the way, Chris Weber out at TNT. I don't understand. Something must have happened that we don't know of. Makes no sense before the playoffs start that Chris Webber gets booted. Hey, Young Express, the company we talk about so much is continuing to grow. Would you like to be a part of a Christian-based family company? A company that's been in business for over 30 years? Well, of course you would. are currently looking to add to their sales department. You've heard me talk about what a great company this is to work for. Now go and apply online. This is what Young Express is looking for. High degree of integrity. Energetic, friendly personality, willing to prospect new business via phone, email, and social selling. Reliable transportation, you have to be able to drive to the different businesses. Willingness to travel within an assigned territory, this is the key. Outside sales experience in the transportation industry is required, again. Outside sales experience in transportation industry is required for the sales job. What you can expect: 40 hour work week, salary plus commissions, bonuses and contests, health insurance, 401k up to 3% company match and profit sharing. I love profit sharing. Cell phone, tablet and all sales and promotional materials provided to you by the company, plus existing book of business from day 1 and an expense account with generous mileage reimbursement. Email your resume today to John Young, J Young, J J-U-N-G, at youngexpress.com, or just go online at youngexpress.com. That's J-U-N-G, express.com. Young Express, success drives them. Up next, former Brewers pitcher Don August joins the Madness. Welcome in. It is Sparky's Midday Madness. Join now on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. One of my favorites, former Brewers pitcher Don August joins us now on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Don, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Hey, glad to be here. Uh, I wanted to get you on and talk a little bit about this pitching staff and, and the job and maybe the difference that you've seen watching Freddie Peralta this year uh, versus maybe the last couple of years as, as he's really started to come into his own now.
1: Well, I, yeah, he, he came on on fire you know, when he first came to the Brewers, but I think the the hitters in the league started to adjust to him a little bit, but... Since then, though, he's really grown in these last few years. He's, he's kind of learned his game, and he's he's worked with his other pitches. You know, it's just that fastball. He was kind of throwing, and I think the hitters were having a hard time picking up his release point at first. But I, as I mentioned, they kind of started to come around to that. And what he's done, he's, he's developed his changeup and his breaking ball, and he's, he's got a lot of confidence. And I think that's due to the experience that he's he's gotten in these last couple of years. So, He's becoming more of this mature pitcher, and, and we're seeing a lot of good things. from. He's got a great arm, so we're seeing a lot of good things out of him now.
2: The other thing I wanted to get your thought on is being a former MLB pitcher. Every offseason, as you went into the offseason, did you have that conversation with a pitching coach or with a manager as far as, hey, we'd like to see you add this pitch to your repertoire, or we'd like to see you work on this in the offseason?
1: Um. You might have that conversation. I, I I don't know how if they do that more so nowadays, but when I remember when I was pitching for the Brewers, um, you'd have your end-of-the-season conversation, you know, basically, hey, what did you see good? What do you think I need to work on? You know, and things like that. And then I always took the first part of the whole off-season off just to rest and let my body recover. And it'd be usually right about – I remember about New Year's Day would be like my first day that I – okay. I gotta get myself back into it. So I'd build myself back up so I'd be ready for spring training and I would also kind of work on the little things that I think I needed to improve upon from the season before. So I don't know if they do it the same way today or not, but that's the way we we'd do it.
2: It's interesting because you know, we hear about the hitting coach Andy Haynes this last offseason going around and seeing Omar Narvaez and working on stuff with him and going and seeing other players who maybe struggled uh, during the short end pandemic season last year, actually going to them and working on stuff in the off season. How much communication back then when you were part of the Brewers August, did you really have with a pitching coach or coaching staff in the off season?
1: I think it was, it was minimal. I think compared to today, I think now there in this day. Technology with videos and, and, you can download the things and send them to people oh to other countries for that matter so i i think they have more ability to watch videos examine things together talk about a lot of the different things about the season and what they want to kind of do into the, the off season we didn't have all that stuff i think that was real kind of like on the forefront coming out brand new at the end of my career so now of course it's you know, the big-time technology, they can do a lot today.
2: And the other thing, too, Don, is how hard are these guys are throwing. I mean, back in the day, if you had somebody throwing high 90s, it was a unicorn. Now, every bullpen seemingly has three, four, five guys. They're all throwing gas in the high 90s, and – I don't know what you think, but I think part of it is probably the development of youth baseball and you know the year-round sport now that baseball has become, and all the additional coaching from former major leaguers and former college players teaching these kids at a younger age and really working on them all the way up.
1: Well, there's the 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 idea of the hard fastball, which this game has kind of turned into. So, I mean, the kids who are now in high school who have aspirations of playing college ball and in, into professional baseball, they, they realize now they got to throw the ball hard and get those miles per hour, which that kind of often worries me that when young kids start trying to overthrow, they can actually do more damage. They can hurt themselves. But I think one of the ways now they can get through that is through conditioning and, and weight training and, and that sort of stuff. You know, back when I played – um, they were just starting to get into the weight training aspect of it. The hitters were the first ones to start doing that, to get a little more strength and power. I remember, God, it was like 1982 or 3 or somewhere around there, and Brian Downey with the California Angels. Oh, jacked. All, all season. Yep. He came back big and strong. Yep. And, but the, the baseball people didn't like that. They said we get too bulky and we lose our range of motion and, and stuff like that, but when he had that, great year. Then everybody jumped on the bandwagon, but they, they said pitchers can't though. So eventually that would grow into, well, pitchers can, but you got to do your weight training differently than a position player. You know, they didn't want us pitchers to lift weights, like, you know, try to be like an NFL lineman or something. So it kind of is gradually built up early on. And now though, all these kids have the training, they're building up their muscles and, and uh, you know, just learning the, the the mechanics to throw that hard fastball, which is like kind of like where the game is at today.
2: Talking with Don August, former Milwaukee Brewers pitcher, uh, about the Brewers and how pitching has kind of changed uh, over the course of time. I and mean, you look at Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff, and I, I guess you can throw Peralta in there now considering how well he's pitching. I mean, th- they've got three guys right now that all are considered to be among the best pitchers in the National League, all in the rotation at one point. And I've said this before. I think, to me, that's more impressive than the Bucks having a multi-MVP. I think that's more impressive than, you know, another MVP in Green Bay. I never in my lifetime thought that you would have three guys all under team control pitching at this level for a team in Milwaukee when normally it was unload the farm system to get a Zach Reinke, you know, unload the farm system to get a CC Sabathia. Always had to go find pitching, and the weirdness of this whole thing is now it looks like the Brewers will need to get a bat more than they will pitching.
1: Yeah, the, the Brewers have developed their pitching from their own system, and that's, that's the best way to go. You know, as like you mentioned, we had to go out and, and bring it in and give everything up just to get one guy. So, uh, the good thing that, that's been developing here, I guess, these last few years with the Brewers is these pitchers. You know, a few years ago, we were kind of trying to find them, but now with Woodruff and, you know, and, um, and Peralta and Burns, boy, that, I mean, this has really changed how the Brewers are, were, were doing things. Now, which a few years ago, we had the hitting. And the Brewers are trying to, like, well, we got to patch that back together. If we can just kind of put the both things together, you know, the hitting and pitching, boy, the Brewers would just could be running away with this, you know?
2: Yeah, no question about it. And that's the other thing. As a former player and seeing how good Christian Yelich has been, any concerns about Yelich going forward with his back?
1: Well, I don't know what to think right now. He's still a young guy, but yeah. I'm just really hoping that it isn't the case where once you kind of aggravate the back, it could be kind of a lingering thing that just continues on. I mean, when you swing a baseball bat, you know, how many, you know, 600 and something at bats per season, you know, plus all the batting practice and what you go through spring training, it just seems like it's always going to be, it could always be there and you're always going to aggravate it because there's no way going around, swinging a bat around your body and putting that kind of torque into it. You know, we saw that kind of with Ryan Braun these, you know, how many years. So I don't know the extent of it. I'm hopeful that there's a healing process to it. It was just a one little thing. I'm just really hoping and keeping my fingers crossed because we still can have a lot of good years with Christian Yelich that these, you know, the remainder of this contract, big contract, I hope it's not this constant, you know, back irritation thing.
2: Yeah, for the Brewers' sake, I think they agree with you on that one. Don, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Follow Don August on Twitter as well, and I'm sure we'll get you on some more in the Midday Madness here going throughout the season.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.